The East Otago Taiapuri is a traditional Māori fishing reserve near Karatane. It was set up in 1999 in response to the depletion of local fish stocks. It is currently managed by the East Otago Taiapuri Management Committee, who work with Otago University scientists to ensure that the fisheries and habitats are protected for future generations. One of these researchers, Derek Richards, studied the photosynthetic rate of macroalgae in the region for his master's thesis. He took me to Huriawa Point, where we discovered just how important it is to study primary production in the region and what it means for the Taiapuri. So what we're looking at there, the Huriawa Peninsula, that's the area that's been closed for power fishing. Had a, what they call a rahui, so that's a, a temporary closure. And it's closed for two years under the Fisheries Act. I think the Taipuri Committee would like to have a continuation of that closure because two years isn't probably long enough for that power population to recover. And that came about from the work that I did during my Masters and work with Chris Hepburn where we went out and we measured um, and counted all the power around the, the area here and, and found that only 1% of the power were above the legal size limit of 125 millimetres. So it'd take you 100 power of you know, looking at 100 power before you found one that was of legal size. And there wasn't very many of them at all. This October it'll be due to, to be reopened again or re-evaluated. And we're doing that at the moment. That's the next project we're working on is, is resurveying um, the 14 sites on the Hidiawa Peninsula to, to then see, okay, what change, of any, has happened in terms of that size structure of the population. And Derek, what sort of research does the Marine Science Department do up here? We kind of provide basic benthic baseline information. So people say, oh, I think there's not very many power there, or there used to be a lot of power there. We kind of go and quantify that and say, well, in this area, there's four power per metre squared. So it gives you a, you know, a definitive number that you can then compare later on if you do a survey. What can I see out there in the ocean, that, that vast green area? What you can see out there is um, Macrocystis or um, bladder kelp, and it's a, a very important part of the ecosystem here. It supports juvenile reef fish in terms of um, it provides habitat for them, and also supports um, species such as power and that by providing food. It also stabilises or attenuates flow um, and stabilises the sediment un underneath it. I mean, you hear that Macrocystis is one of the, the biggest sort of marine plants or, or algae in. in in existence and they get up I think in California 30, 40, even 50 metres deep. But here in New Zealand our light environment's a lot murkier um, and the water's really clear. You'll get growth down to a greater depth but here it's probably 10 or 15 metres is the maximum depth you'll see this, this algae grow to. Biomass wise, well, so you get 10 or 15 metres deep and then you get the stipe and all the blades and the lamina coming off. You've actually probably got between 50 and 80% of the biomass of the, of the individual on top of the water. So there's a, there's a lot of biomass actually floating on the surface. So, I mean, it makes sense if water's really quite, quite murky. When it's the base of the plant where the holdfast is, which is the, the point of attachment to the substrate, that'll be quite low light there, and so low levels of photosynthesis, low levels of growth. Up at the top, it's going to have a lot higher, greater access to light, so higher photosynthesis and faster growth. And is that one of the species that you would have studied during your thesis? 
it was one of the ones where I measured in terms of uh, in terms of um, density, so number of individuals per meter squared. But with some of the physiological uh, work I did in the lab, um, it wasn't one of the species I looked at. Two other native species. Um, Zizophora gladiata, which is a, a Fucales, um, it's a sort of an understory species, found it sort of around the low tide mark and just below, and Cystophora scularis, which was another um, uh, Fucales, um, and, and grows in a similar sort of habitat. And also uh, I looked at um, Undaria pinnatifida, which is an invasive algae from, um, from China and Korea and, and Japan. So Derek, you mentioned that you did simple work in the laboratory. Uh, why were you doing those? What sort of effect did you want to measure? Physiology experiments um, ties in modelling production of, a, of an area, saying well, if we know that these species of algae um, photosynthesise at this rate, under this light regime, they're, they're simulating this amount of carbon, therefore are growing at this rate, um, and we can make models about how productive different areas are um, and that comes about from, from other work as well. As a PhD student, Daniel Pritchard, modelled light out here at Hilaria Peninsula at two depths, so at two metres and ten metres and gives us a, a really nice light profile in this area and um, that allows us to, to put that information into a model and, and, and then yeah, model production for, for the the different species that are out there that we've measured and we can talk about that in the lab in terms of how we do that. We headed back to the university laboratory where Derek explained some of the finer points of his research. This is where we house the growth cabinets or the controlled atmosphere units. We've got four of them in here and these are uh, new this year. I think they cost about $500,000 each, so there's a fair bit of investment here from the botany department. And these are uh, essential for the kind of work that we want to do in terms of uh, robust science. You need to have controlled atmosphere rooms to conduct photosynthetic research due to the, the fact that photosynthesis is a enzymatic process and enzymes tend to react faster when they're in high temperatures. So if you're trying to uh, conduct a, an experiment when you're looking at a photosynthetic output of a macroalgae, for example, you'd need to keep that temperature at a constant uh, level so you can look at the effect of light or nutrient increases and, and be sure it's not attributed to the change in temperature. These chambers also have the ability to control the uh, humidity and the carbon dioxide uh, within them, and so they're, they're fairly robust um, pieces of equipment for, for doing photo, photosynthetic research. Did you use something like this for your thesis or would these have been quite useful for your thesis? Absolutely. I had something that was similar. Uh, I worked out at the Portobello Marine Lab and they have walk-ins uh, CT rooms or controlled temperature rooms. That really only just controlled the temperature. The humidity would fluctuate, and so the the atmosphere wasn't controlled. So it was only just a controlled temperature. And the difference with Portobello and Botany here um, is the fact that Portobello has free-flowing seawater, which is a pretty important thing for if you're conducting large experiments. So here at Botany, they have holding tanks, and I think they can hold up to about 4,000 litres of seawater here at the Botany department. 
yeah, there's quite a few people doing research and you, you have to go out once a week and replace the sink. And so you say you're researching macroalgae specifically. How is that any different to other types of algae? Okay, so generally you've got two forms of, of algae. You've got microalgae and macroalgae. Microalgae are generally your diatoms or algae that are a little bit too small to see with the um, naked eye and macroalgae uh, tend to be your your kelps and your um, larger seaweeds that you, you see and they're generally attached um, by a holdfast which is different to terrestrial plants. Terrestrial plants tend to have a root system, algae have either a holdfast which enables them to attach to rocks or they're free floating. The lamina of an algae is essentially the, the leaf structure so that's the, the blade and that's predominantly responsible for photosynthesis and also uh, the oxygen exchange and also nutrient exchange. And so you were using the tanks to measure net photosynthesis. I mean what exactly is that compared to normal photosynthesis? If you get net photosynthesis you've got to have gross for a start so it's just a more accurate way of accounting for yeah well I guess how productive an individual algae is because respiration is actually a loss term so if you had a high gross photosynthetic rate but also a high respiratory rate your actual net photosynthesis is quite low whereas if you had you know a reasonably low gross photosynthesis but also a low respiration then that net photosynthesis could actually be higher and that net photosynthesis equates to growth so how much carbon dioxide is actually fixed which equates to how much um, growth uh, an algae um, puts on over a given time. And I suppose the final question I have for you is how your research on photosynthesis actually affects the wider ecosystem. Uh, what sort of repercussions could that potentially have for the wider Taiapuri in the future? Photosynthesis is the base level of marine environment, so that productivity by um, photosynthesizing organisms such as diatoms and kelps and all the seaweed in the ocean contribute towards carbon fixation. That carbon is either made available to grazing organisms such as power or green bone or the, the butterfish um, by direct consumption or it makes its way up the food chain by higher level predators eating those grazing organisms. So essentially you can look at it in a, as a terrestrial example as the cows eating the grass and then us eating the cows. So if you take away that lower level production, either by harvesting kelp or lowering the light levels within an area, you're going to have a trophic effect. You're going to have less food available for those higher level organisms, which in theory means you'll have lower levels of productivity of, of that fishery. And in terms of the Taipuri, that's what we're interested in, is how productive are these areas and are there are there certain things that control the productivity within the area?